Hi, this is Liz H. Kelly, author of 8 Second PR, and you are listening to my quest for the best. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Liz Kelly. Liz H. Kelly founded Goody PR based on 15 years of public relations and marketing experience. She is passionate about magnifying brands and experts through timely marketing and public relations campaigns. Her work has been featured on CNN, BC News, Fox News, USA Today, the Chicago Tribune, Thrive Global, Buzz TLA, CBS, NPR, and many more. She has booked clients on the Today Show, PS, CNN, Fox Business, BBC World News, NPR, Time, The Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and many other media outlets. Liz Kelly graduated from the John Hopkins School of Business, Carey School of Business, and she completed the National Publicity Summit. She loves photography and has been a red carpet reporter at Oscar events. She's also promoted YouTube videos with over a million views. Liz lives in Santa Monica, California, and is here to talk about her latest book, Eight Second PR, New Public Relations Crash Course. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Bill. I am so excited to be here today and talk about PR and help your audience magnify their story. Terrific. Let's look back to start first and tell me when you were growing up, Who's somebody who influenced or inspired you? I have to think about this for a minute, but I think the most obvious choice is my mother. (laughs) The reason why is because she taught English for 30 years and she just had a lot of creativity too and a great sense of humor. Even at a young age, we were making funny family movies. We were doing puppet shows in the basement and she just loved to have fun, but she was also a really good communicator. She really inspired me and taught me it's okay to make fun of yourself and also the importance of communication. Do you remember an example of when you drew on your mother's example, either in high school, college, or maybe even early in your career, and you just knew that rather than give somebody a strong message or maybe able to make it easier to understand, you knew you had to be clear with your communications or maybe just add a little bit of funny to it to make somebody really catch their attention? Absolutely. I just remember we would have a cookout in the backyard and she would show up dressed up as a hot dog stand person from like a baseball game in a costume. You know, it was the reaction that I watched people give her when they would do these funny antic things. They used to also give joke presents over Christmas. It was the message behind the gift. It was funny, but it also had meaning. It was those kinds of examples that really made an impact on me as a child. Those are great examples of memories you have of your mother exhibiting these qualities. Now, as you grew up, what's an example of the way that you took that and then applied it or expressed it through your own personality and interactions with others. Early in my career, I was a training manager. And one of the things I did was I came up with fun ways to teach people things like I did Jeopardy for retirement plans at a financial company. We had IRA for 500 and 401k for 200. And then we give out candy. And that was a big prize. That made it a lot more fun than talking about boring retirement plans. That's terrific. That whole level 
world, interactivity, when you bring people into a game, makes it so much more fun. And there's no game like PR that really gives you that kind of feedback that you've gotten your message out successfully, people are responding to it, and you're getting the kind of traction that you want to raise the level of visibility for your company, your product, your service, your solution. How did you find your way into the PR world? That happened after 9-11. I was in New York on 9-11. I was a stranded business traveler, like many people. And like many people, I had an epiphany after I got laid off and said, okay, I'm going to write that book that I've always wanted to write. Everyone told me you have to write about something where when people tell you, you are absolutely crazy. You say, no, I'm not. And I'm going to do it anyway. I ended up writing a dating book because I was called Dr. Liz in high school. And I had been making up these funny man codes for guys in Los Angeles because the dating scene was absolutely crazy compared to what I grew up with on the East Coast. And all the guys out here are WDs, wounded divorcees. And all I want is a BA, a bachelor available, who's not going to run when I say the word relationship. Then this book, I start writing it. I start going to coffee. I start going to book marketing seminars. That's really how we connected because this goes way back 20 years when I really started mastering how do you tell that story and how do you write that book? Those man codes ended up resulting resulting in three different versions of the book, self-published, Barnes & Noble picked it up, then Kensington Books in New York published it. I got an agent. I got 500 media interviews. At the end of 500 media interviews for this dating book, I said, whoa, time out. I do not want to do this for me anymore. I need to do it for other people. That's when I flipped and got in PR. I'll tell you, a lot of people who publish books very much would love to have the problem you just described. It came about probably because you had had this flair for connecting with the media, making things interesting and fun. And many people don't get that kind of attention. What is it that people need to remember in order to make their topic, their message more attractive to the media, just in general? I think the top tip that I would say is it's not all about you. I had to learn that the hard way. When I wrote the first draft of the dating book, it was pretty much all about me. Then I went to a book marketing seminar and they're telling me, no way, you cannot write a book all about you. So I went out and interviewed hundreds of people and put their stories in the book and really started thinking about why would they care about reading my book? How am I going to help them? That is key that most people skip because I get people who call me, they've written a memoir, but they weren't thinking about the marketing. They weren't thinking about why would anybody care about your story and how does it help them? That's really key. In your book, you talk about how with a single book, people have been able to get on dozens of podcast interviews and articles written about them. What is it that makes the difference between somebody who gets dozens of interview requests versus someone who doesn't? In fact, could you share with us a case study or a story about how you worked with someone who actually got to this much higher level of visibility and momentum with their PR. Absolutely, Bill. I think one of the best examples is a client named Omar, and Omar had a book about Jedi leadership, which was a fun title to begin with. It was called Be a Jedi Leader, Not a Boss. Omar said to me, he actually put together a PowerPoint. This is something I've never seen a client do. In his PowerPoint, he had his marketing goals were the book. One was, I want 30 podcast interviews for my new book. So I said, okay, Okay, we're going to focus. We're going to look at the story. We're going to look at the different audiences, the different topics. 
and really try to hone in on where his niche audience was. This was more of a leadership book, but it was also a diversity, equity, inclusion book. Then P.S., he was a former general manager for Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline. So he had this incredible platform and he was African-American, so he could talk about diversity and being the only African-American GM in the world for GSK at the time. Those types of moving stories really helped. He was shy. I would say to your audience, don't be shy. You need to pull these stories out. At seven years old, he started his first business as an entrepreneur recycling golf balls. They lived near a golf course. And so he and his friends would go over and get the golf balls that went in the road or off the course, he started selling them. And that was his first entrepreneur experience until the golf course figured out what they were doing and shut them down. Probably one of the problems is when they tried to sell the golf balls back to the same golf club. Probably. I just love that story. And he had a lot of other stories. And that really is the key. Then also what we did was we researched what were the top podcasts for DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion? What were the top podcast for leadership and also looked at entrepreneur podcasts because of this golf club story. There were so many great stories. And then it was in the middle of the pandemic. And here he worked at Pfizer in the past and Pfizer was coming up with a vaccine. It made him relevant and timely. What I find is that when you describe this, it seems like this was all laid out and you just had to circle lines on a resume. Yet I'm pretty sure through my own experience with talking to experts and business leaders, you had had a lot of questions and answers. There was a lot of back and forth with Q&A, with asking about stories. And he breezed over these things. He said, wait, right there. That's something that's an angle for you. There's something that could be a hook. There's something that will get attention. You just need these points of entry rather than saying, I'm a leadership expert. Why don't people want to let me tell my story? Because it'll be helpful. You need to find these different angles and hooks for people who want to do this, don't they? Exactly. That is such a good point. I tell all my clients, I'm looking for the media gold because most people can't see their own gold or those magic moments or sparks that are going to interest the media. That's exactly it. And that's why I want to emphasize, don't hold back if you're working with your publicist or your marketing person with something that's a personal story that can have that emotional connection. That's another thing that was all part of this. A lot of people have played golf. A lot of people have wanted to be an entrepreneur and can see these seven-year-old kids recycling the golf balls and making money. And that's a funny story, but it also moves people that have played golf. You're looking for connectors. You're looking for ways to make your audience smile, cry, jump up and down, give you cheers. Otherwise, it's boring. You probably won't get the opportunity to tell boring stories as often as you tell interesting stories. <laughs> exactly. We all need to dig deep and be able to laugh at ourselves and have fun with it. And also really think about the people on the other side, because it doesn't have to be all fun and games. It could be a sincere message. I can give you another example if you want. Please. I have a CEO, Josh. He runs an addiction center for military veterans and first 
first responders. And that's a very important topic, very emotional topic. A lot of people know somebody who's dealt with addiction. Josh also has been sober for 20 years. So he will tell his story and he would tell it from the heart. And then he will say how he used to run nightclubs in Las Vegas. And after he went to treatment, he said, I can't go and run nightclubs anymore. What am I going to do? And his father gave him the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because Josh grew up in Hawaii. So did Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. They start reading this book, Josh and his wife, Lisa, coming back from treatment. And it teaches them how to be an entrepreneur and how to start a business and how to invest in real estate. They just basically eat it up and start asking all these people questions and trying to figure out, okay, how do we raise money to start our own addiction center so we can give back and make a difference? And then how do we invest in real estate? It's the most incredible story because it's not funny at all. It's just so humbling and so inspiring that he had this recovery and his wife gave him an ultimatum. You go to treatment or the marriage is over. She's very important in telling the story also. And they're both awesome on podcasts and radio and TV. They're just great. And they're authors as well. Why are podcasts important from your perspective in 2022 compared to just say four years ago, 2018. I think that podcasts are really important because we have moved to such a fast-paced world that a lot of people, they want to learn through audio. They don't necessarily want to read the book and the text in the book, but they want to listen to the audio book. Now, I need to get an audio book, full disclosure of 8 Second PR. I think podcasts give people the opportunity to listen while they're in the car, while they're walking to the beach. It reinforces things by listening to things. If you read something, you only remember 10% of what you read. But if you're listening and then you're up to 20 and 30%, and then if you're doing things and saying things, then you're up to 90%. A lot of what I also have as suggestions are activities and action items, because if I can get you to go try something, write a pitch email to a podcast host, then you're going to learn something by not just reading the book, but taking action. I know that it's not that difficult to get on many podcasts, yet people will often say, it's impossible. I'll never get on podcasts. One person I was speaking with, I said, so what podcasts are you thinking of trying to get on? He was naming top podcasts. He said, I could never get on Tim Ferriss's podcast. I said, probably not as a first podcast. I think that's a common mistake. You can't get on the top podcast the same way you can't say, gosh, I'm to be on Oprah as my first experience. You need to work as a developmental level and get experience and hone your message and perfect your timing and all of these little things that are picked up. What do you say to people who ask, what's the fastest path to getting the most publicity? How do you explain it to people that you have to get better before you get on the better shows? That is a great question. The first thing I say is PR is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't expect to get on the Today Show immediately. You have to work up to that. A lot of times for podcasts, if they want to get on Tim Ferriss, which every client I get asks me that, if they have a leadership book, I say, let's start out with the ones that are less known just so you can practice. That is the key is you got to practice your sound bites. I tell people to use things like emphasis statements, and this is so important. I just used one, right? By saying this is so important. If you watch the news and you look at who is telling the best story and who is grabbing your attention, 
It's the people who say the top three things are the most important thing is if you can get in the habit of not just telling everybody your tips or telling everybody your story, but start it with the most important thing to remember is something like that is going to make you so much stronger. And the other thing which we really haven't talked about, but is also very important is that it's a conversation. Like you said, you have to get your pace done. I had a client who was on a live radio interview named Dunn, and she talked for six minutes straight without giving the host a breath. Six minutes straight. We did lots of media coaching afterwards. And I said, I want you to pause. And it's okay. It's okay to have silence. Just pause so that they can get something in. I think that's something that everyone listening knows from the outside, yet it's difficult to do from when you're in the hot seat and when the red on-air light goes on. Tell me about one of the people who maybe you've worked with who's gone from doing radio and podcasts and maybe even has gone on to TV news segments and been able to do that as a business expert, someone helping other business leaders. What was the path like going from audio sitting in your office to actually going into a studio? What were some of the things that helped him or her get there? What were one or two tips that helped them be successful once they got in that seat? Sure. I worked with someone named Michelle and I love Michelle's story because she's a former zookeeper and now a canine trainer at Warrior's Heart. Warrior's Heart is the addiction center for military veterans and first responders. She did radio and podcasts and she just was a natural at this conversation and very good at being personable. It was like she was smiling when she was talking. I think that's an important thing to remember too, that have a good time. This is exciting. Somebody is giving you their airtime and their precious time to produce the podcast. So have fun with it. It's you're at a party and you want somebody to like you. So have a good time with it, but also be clear, concise, and compelling. So she was really good at it. What I did was I worked with her and reinforced what the key points were. And then we worked together to pitch the TV. And so she's been on a couple of television stations in San Antonio, Texas, because the Addiction Center is near San Antonio, and she's been on ABC and the NBC local, and we're pitching her now for national shows. It's really that kind of stepping stone. You can build confidence in radio and on podcasts and get your talking points down and figure out how you want to present key things, and then you can move on to TV. And TV is very visual, so you have to think more about smiling and what you're going to wear and what the lighting is and things like that. It also goes by a lot faster. That's another thing. A podcast might be an hour. It might be 10 minutes, but TV is usually three minutes. You've got to know what you're talking about. You got to be ready. It's showtime. In preparation for that, do you have an example or two about how people can strengthen their stories or sharpen their hooks and make it more appealing so that editors and people who are screening for potential guests looking through and then yours will stand out if you do this exercise to make your message pop? Sure. I think in Michelle's case, it was great because she's talking about service dogs and then her personal story also applied. That would be my tip is think about your personal story. For example, Michelle has her own Boston Terrier that she uses for PTSD. And then we worked together and she actually filmed a video 
that shows her in bed with her Boston Terrier on top of her, waking her up in the middle of a nightmare. That is video gold and media gold for TV. If you can send a producer something like that, you are really going to stand out. I'm going to tease you a little bit here. How many nights did you have to spend in her bedroom filming before that happened and the dog was right on top of it? I cannot take credit for filming it, but didn't come up with the idea. I was like, go get this video. And they did another video of a dog being somebody with PTSD when they shake their leg because that's a typical thing. And it takes 120 hours for Michelle's team to train a dog one behavior like that. That was the hook. If you can put numbers in the hook like that to have that kind of reaction like Bill just had where you go, wow, 120 hours, that makes it sound like this is really important. This is not just teach a dog to go up and stop me from shaking my leg. I also love about that number is that I often talk with a lot of neighbors about dogs because I have a border collie who I walk around the neighborhood and we like to meet dogs and dog owners. So often they say, I tried to teach my dog to walk nicely on the leash. I say, tell me what you did. They say, I tried it for a weekend and it didn't work. I said, oh no, 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 no. It takes months. It really does. You've got to reward them. One of the things that's true now with my dog, he's two and a half years old. Every week I train my dog for one to two hours. And I can tell you because I have that on my calendar, I could go back and look at my notes as to what the training plan was to work with Rocco that day and what were the results and what's going to happen next. It's much more involved to get any type of results like that. That's what I loved about the 120 hours. I don't think I've worked on any one behavior that long, but that's how long it takes to really get to that highest level of excellence and reliability with training. I love that number because that helps people really gauge where they are rather than, oh, I spent 20 minutes thinking of how to do this better. No, no, no. Exactly. Michelle is just a great spokesperson. She's so passionate about helping other people. That is also a thing that the media can tell if it's coming from the heart. If you're faking it, it's not going to work. So you really want to be talking about things that you truly care about, not just for you, but for other people too. Liz, tell me this. What are a couple things that guests who get invited back do that guests who maybe make a good spot, make a good impression, but don't get invited back? What are some of the differences in behaviors, follow-ups, and habits that people could adopt? Sure. I think one of the top tips for getting invited back would be telling fun stories, telling entertaining stories. I can share an example of a different client. His first name is Rick, and he wrote a mystery novel, which was a hard sell because that's not a self-help topic. Rick worked in the music industry for 30 years and worked with people like Pink, Alicia Keys, Kiss, Backstreet boys. He helped promote them. I actually got him a lot of interviews talking about that. Because of that celebrity draw, people would then talk about his mystery book. But first, they wanted to know what was it like to work with Pink or what was it like to work with Backstreet Boys? And he got this great question from ABC Portland. And the anchor said, who was your favorite person to work with? Which I should have asked that as his publicist. I should have asked that, but I wasn't thinking about it. Anyway, kudos to this reporter because that gave me this great story about how he idolized 
utilized Gene Simmons as a marketing genius for how he built Kiss. And he said he used similar marketing tips to promote his mystery book. So it worked out great as a comparison. And then he would get invited back because people would say, wow, this guy has incredible experience. He was a senior vice president at Arista, BMG, Island Records. He worked directly for Clive Davis. It was incredible. And that was his story. The mystery book, P.S., it, it actually was good. And it, it's been picked up an option for TV. And it's like the next Sherlock Holmes. And so let's hope it takes off. But the thing that got him invited back is I want to hear about the music industry. The takeaway from that that I'm hearing is do interesting things, meet and help interesting people, and then share your lessons from that in ways that people can relate to and benefit from because you've made it so clear what to do so that people listening to that could feel like they're a part of the gang, they're inside the story. Now they could use these tips to actually make a difference in their own business and their own lives. Is that accurate? That is accurate. The other tip that I will share that one of my media coaches told me when I wrote my dating book is when you're talking, you also want to acknowledge that some of these things are hard to do. My media coach said, don't go on TV and say dating is easy because it is not. So I would go on TV and say dating is hard. I wrote this book to give you some comic relief with these 26 man coats. And that was a much better opening. You want to be humble in your approach also and act like it took you a while to figure it out. It didn't just happen. Just like PR didn't just happen. For me, I've made many mistakes and learned from them. You just have to keep learning and keep doing interviews. And that's why, like we said, start with the small podcast and then work up to Tim Ferriss. My quest for the best in Tim Ferriss. <laughs> oh, yes. My quest for the best. I am really honored to be here. I'm not kidding. My quest for the best. I'm so happy to be here. We've been talking about this for six months, so it doesn't happen immediately. That's another tip. <laughs> you have to be patient and persistent and never desperate. Liz, I have a treat for you. Are you ready now for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? I am ready. I am so excited. At the beginning of the interview, I asked who someone who influenced and inspired you, and you talked about your mother. When you were a teenager, Liz, what's a song that you loved? A song that I loved. Let's see. Oh, my mother told me I was not allowed to listen to Tonight is the Night. So we always joked about that, but I don't know if that's the best example, but that's the one that sticks out. Excellent. Everyone needs a song that somebody says you're forbidden to listen to that could easily become your favorite song. For us, it was my mom said we couldn't watch Monty Python. So, of course, I learned all the words to the songs. Of course. What would you say is the best $100 or so purchase you've made in the last six months? Oh, wow. $100 purchase. Okay. I just went to a family reunion and I bought the cake and that was about $100. I would say that influence of that cake with the family that had about 100 people, it was worth the 100 dollars. So much joy and whipped cream to go around. Exactly. Chocolate and vanilla. You had your choice. It was actually two cakes and it had a Wilson family reunion on it. That's my mother's side. And they just loved it. What would you say is your definition of personal success? I know I'm being successful when... I know I'm being successful when I feel good inside about helping somebody else. That is really important to me. I took a personality test in an entrepreneur program and it came back 
back and said, you're a star. A star is like Oprah because Oprah could look good on camera, but where she really shined was making other people look good. That's where I really shine is making other people succeed and look good in the media. Liz, who's somebody who in, is in your field who inspires you? Ah, besides you? I think there's so many people that inspire me, but Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Camps had a huge influence on me with book marketing. And I really admire them for taking the chicken soup for the soul books and basically taking something that was not doing anything and then making it fly. A lot of it was done through working with Steve and Bill Harrison with the National Publicity Summit. So a lot of the tips we're talking about today are things I learned from these publicity great. If you look back over the last year or so, what's the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? I think I've tried to cut back on sugar and just eat better, eat healthy. I have a friend who's a nutritionist and it was pretty painful. She's like, you have to start eating spinach every day. I think just making changes in my diet has made a huge difference in just how I feel and my energy level. So I highly recommend everybody get a nutritionist. Liz, you've been so helpful in helping us understand the world of PR, how to navigate it today and make a difference through the experiences you've had had, the tips that you've been able to glean, and the experiences you've had with your clients. We loved the idea of making sure that you add emphasis statements, such as this is so important. Everybody listen up because we do. We lean in when we hear somebody say that. We, the reminder that in order to be successful with your message, you've got to remember that it's not about you. It's about how you can help others through your publicity. It's making sure that Josh who wanted his addiction center to succeed, that he found inspiration and models to look up to Kurosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or like Rick, who was able to leverage the experience he had in promoting some of these music industry legends like Gene Simmons in helping promote his mystery novel. We all have so much richness of experience and ideas and creativity inside of us that it's important to make that part of our story to allow others to relate to us and learn from us. For these and so many more reasons, Liz, I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been an honor to be here today. And I hope I helped your audience. That's really what makes me excited when I can help other people shine. And that's why I wrote my book too, Eight Second PR, to help other people do their own PR. So you don't have to hire me. Liz, we do want people to be able to find out what's going on about you and your world. Where do they go online to find out the best place, the source for finding out what you're up to lately? Absolutely. The best place to find me is goodypr.com and that will lead you to everything else. Liz, we're going to make it even easier for that so that people listening to this interview can go Go to the show notes and find you linked at goodypr.com. We're going to link to ways and places to buy your book online, as well as your social media, so that people could really get a great perspective on what you're sharing and what ideas you're coming up with and the successes you're having with your media clients who are coming to you at Goody PR. Once again, Liz Kelly, author of 8 Second PR, the new public relations crash course. I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you so much. And thanks everybody for listening. And I hope I can help you magnify your story. Hi, this is Bill. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, 
course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.